Thank you for tuning in. My prayer is that this message is going to be an encouragement to you personally and will cause great growth in your life. It's time to live and it's time to take this next step forward. God bless you as you listen. Hey guys, uh, I'm excited about sharing God's word with you. Will you go ahead and get your uh, Bibles, Bible apps out? Uh, open up to Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. Matthew 28, 19. One of my favorite passages of scripture. Hey, yesterday we put out a survey through the City Life app, and the, the question was this it was, uh, what tactic of distraction keeps you from living intentionally present? And, and a lot of words in there is like tactic keeps you from living intentionally present. And uh, <clears throat> there are a lot of things that, that cause this. We gave you four different options, but the results kind of came back to this. About 30% of the people said, really went to the issue of fear, that fear keeps you from being intentional about your life and being fully present. Uh, fear, the, the biggest fear that was mentioned was the fear of planning, literally the fear of planning. Uh, I'm going to talk about that today. You know, another one of the fears was just the fear, I, 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 I can't really, I, I can't be intentional because I have this fear of being left out of something. So that's another big fear. Uh, the, the, other, the other answers, where I found about 33% mentioned that they uh, really are not present or, or they're, they're not intentional because their life is too busy. Oh man, I'm going to be talking about that. Today we live in a busy culture. The culture is busy, but you don't have to be busy. I'm going to talk about how that works today. And the third area was 38% says it's their phones. You're blaming it on your phone. All right. As some of you are on your phones right now playing bubble pop. Stop it right now. You know, one thing you don't, may not realize, I can see the glow of your phone on your face. Okay. So uh, yeah, unless, unless you're, hey, when I, was, when I was a kid growing up in church, uh, we, my, 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 we had kind of like an old-fashioned kind of church, and, and so sometimes, my dad would never do this, my dad's a pastor, but, but sometimes there would be special guest speakers, and they would come down off the platform and start walking around, like, kind of like getting in your business, looking at you like this, and yeah, it's, isn't that intimidating? I hated that. <laughs> I hated that, so I'm not going to do that, I'm not going to see what you're doing on your phone right now, but... <clears throat> But hey, you know, the, the, the answers, the responses were all over the board. Uh, see, intention doesn't happen in our lives for a variety of reasons. But I'm telling you guys, it needs to happen. Today, I'm going to challenge you to adopt a mindset of intention and to put that mindset on the forefront. But I'm also going to challenge you to not just think about intention but actually begin to follow through and do it in your own life. Uh, it, that's, I, I, I'm going to challenge you to be wise with your intention, which is the title of today's message, Wise Intention. It's a third part of my Living My Legacy Today series. Next week I'll be wrapping it up. Um, <clears throat> see, what happens is intentions lead to actions. Now, good intentions are going to lead to positive and constructive actions. Um, but negative uh, negative intention or having no intention or having intention and never acting on it is what ends up leading to negative and destructive actions, which we're all fighting against. Every one of us have participated in negative and destructive actions, and it's because of that. That's ultimately at the core of it. So, hey, this is something we should talk about. I, I love reading through the Bible. Uh, I've been doing it for years, ever since my dad challenged me as a, as a teenager. And, and right now, <clears throat> I'm reading through the Pentateuch. 
the, the, for those of you that have no idea what I just said, the Pentateuch is actually the first five books of the Old Testament, also known as the Torah. The Jewish people call it the Torah. Uh, these are all books written by Moses. Those Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Uh, currently, right now, I'm in Numbers, and I'm actually having a good time. Uh, I, I know when you, when, you, when you go through those, those books of the Bible, uh, part, I have, to, I don't know about you, but I always have to psych myself up. It's like, okay, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to find value in this. And I'll, I'll pray, like, God, just help me to find some, some value in this. I, I love going through Genesis because it's, it's history, and it's just really good. And there are little bits of history all through it, but, but man, so, some parts of, some parts of it, you know, like, Deuteronomy and stuff, there, there, there's some weird stuff in there, Okay. There's, and, and it's like, thank God for the New Testament. Thank you for Jesus. Yeah. But, but what are the principles that are underlying? And that's, that's the big question here. What are the principles that are underlying in there? What can I, what principles can I get for that that are valued by God? So yeah, I was reading through numbers and just, I was really thoroughly impressed with the detail that I saw. Um, and I was totally impressed with what God values. Uh, see, truth is, God does value wise intention. In fact, God, speaking through Moses, as Moses was writing, was telling people, giving people instructions on literally like where to live, um, how to be generous, how to order your calendar. He talks to them about how to give honor to your leaders and how to deal with your own health issues and family health issues, how to deal with family relationship, how to worship, and then it goes on and on. And I was thinking, it's the same stuff we deal with today. It really is. So God is a God of intention. And Moses was a man of very, very wise intention. In fact, Moses, what he was doing as he was writing the, uh, the, the Torah, the Pentateuch, he, uh, he was building systems and boundaries and strategies so that when God's people finally entered into the promised land, they could live together. They could live together in harmony. They could have peace and success. And while they were also protecting and providing for the people who are on the lowest end of the social continuum. God cares about those things. It's all so clear in the scriptures. Um, through wise intention, um, he, what, what he did is he, he created these, um, they, they were very creative strategies that really, according to history, history had never even seen strategies like this before for managing a group of people. Um, you can see Moses envisioning what the future might be like over on the other side of that Jordan River, these unseen possibilities that could happen over there if they stayed inside these boundaries. And, and here's what's even cooler. He was writing all this, he was setting all this stuff up, and he himself knew that he was not going to enter the promised land himself because God had told him earlier, you're not going to actually go in. What's amazing is Moses lived his legacy so that he could actually have a legacy. So he could pass something on to the next generation and the next and the next and the next. I mean, Moses is revered today by all cultures. They all, he is because he lived his life with such incredible intention. And he set things up well. He, that's a man that I would want to emulate. Now, around here, intention is at our core. Uh, in fact, we, one of our core values as a church is the core value of intention. It says this, we value bold, creative strategies that focus our efforts on possibilities yet unseen. That's very much a part of the DNA of this church. Uh, but <clears throat> I want you to understand, it, when I say this church, I'm not just talking about 
the organization. I'm not just talking about the assembly when we get together. The ch- we are the church right now gathered, but when we leave here, we're scattered. We're still the church. So this value of intention carries us all through our week. And, and I've always been one to challenge on living with wise intention. And I'll continue to do so because it's biblical and it's right. And there's so many practical and so many spiritual things about it. And uh, today, I mean, if, it's, if you want to live out your legacy, even though you may not yet even begin to even see your legacy coming to pass, I want you to adopt some of these things I'm telling you today. Because this, what I'm talking, today, talking about today is actually a godly way to live. How do you live in godliness? You take God's principles and you put them into your life. You see, part of our value of intention around here at the church is stated this way, and, and we'll take a look at it on the screens. It says, we choose to resist a haphazard approach to life and ministry. And that word haphazard is really important because if you live in a haphazard way, that means you don't have any plan, you don't have any arrangement, you don't have any organization, and, and, and wise intention is just the opposite. It means there's a plan. Um, <clears throat> When I was a kid, my intention <laughs> when I would get up each day was twofold. I had two things on my mind. And, and as I reflect back, when I was especially as a little kid, I, I did. And now that I've raised some children, I, I tell you, they have the same, same intention. It's not a wise intention, but it's an intention. The intention is two things. I want to play and I want to eat. I want to play and I want to eat. And, and uh, you know what? I still like to play and I still like to eat. Okay, nothing, nothing wrong with those things, okay? But wise intention, it was, it was forced into my life. And I'm still having to process it today. You know, actually the wise intention was stuff that mom and dad forced on me. And uh, they are things that paid off. You want to know some of the things they forced on me? You need to take a bath, boy. I tried faking it. And I would go in there and turn the water on. And they would come back and I'd I'd get my hair wet. I didn't want to take a bath. And they would go and my my mom would come in and say, the soap's still dry. Go back in. It's like, then I learned to get the soap wet. And it's like, nope, look under your fingernails. Like, oh, how do they know? Why must I take a bath? Now, those are the struggles of a young child. You guys know. Some of you dealt with that. Others of you like, yay, bathtub time. Well, you were the weird ones. Okay. <laughs> Cleaning my room. They forced me to help with things around the house. They literally forced me to do the dishes. <laughs> Processing it still today. Every time I wipe a dish down, they made me mow the lawn. My parents made me eat vegetables. With wise, but see, that's wise intention, okay? With wise intention, I remember my dad giving me a little black comb, a little black plastic comb. And he said, son, you are going to comb your hair before you walk out the door. Wise intention. And my mom would make me wear shoes when I was leaving the house. I didn't like wearing shoes. I still don't like wearing shoes, but here they are, you know? (laughs) Smart, though. I'd have to prepare my Sunday clothes the night before, and they would make me prepare an offering, and they, they'd even made me volunteer in my church, the nerve of them. <laughs> they forced me to go to school. They forced me to get a job, and they forced me to go to church. Now, all of a sudden, it's quiet on that one. It's like, 
all those other things they forced you to do, great, but they forced you to go to church? Oh, you poor kid. <laughs> yeah, I was forced to go to church. Now, there is this trendy concept today that says, never force your children to go to church because they might not like you and they might get mad at God. Can I just tell you something? I've been around long enough. I've been, okay, I'm older than most of y'all. All right, a few of you, you might, you might beat me. All right, just very few. That's just stupid. I've seen it play out in people's lives. That's just stupid. Um, <laughs> you know, this thing of, well, we'll just let our children choose on their own whenever they get and whether they feel and they can kind of float into it and, and then God can speak to them. And that's just weird and that's stupid. And it's like, what else do you do in life like that? I mean, so you'll make your children go to school. You'll make your child get up and, and, and get out of bed. You force them to do those things. You make your children eat right. You make your children be responsible. And why do you do that? To create habits that will pay off in the long run. What you're doing, parents, is you're putting wise intention together to create a legacy. In other words, so you don't have a loser on your hand in 30 years, all right? Because those things are important. And, and I'm looking at a few parents around here, and I'm going, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. But I'm telling you guys, by not requiring your children to be in church, what it does is that tells them this. God is just an option. It tells them that the family of God, which is why we come together, the family of God is like an elective that you choose. Maybe it's a sport. You can opt in, you can opt out. But you are certainly not putting out this thing of wise intention for your own future and for your own legacy for your family. Now, I'm telling you guys, I want to be a person of wise intention. I've always forced my kids to go to church. You live under my roof, you go to church. You move out, well, hopefully you're going to still go to church. I don't have any handle. But you see, you don't have any control after they leave at a certain point. I'm not saying it's foolproof because you know, it's, it's not. There's no way. It's not foolproof. But I tell you what, it... <coughs> Because I've been doing this all my life, I've been in ministry all my life, I've seen some people try to experiment with that thing. We'll just let them see and feel and flow. and then I don't know where any of those people are today. And I'm telling you the God-honest truth, I don't know. That thing don't work. Wise intention. When I was in college, I knew I needed to make some wise choices regarding my calendar. So I went to an office store. And I went to this office store and I bought this, this black thing. It was about this big and you open it up. It was called At A Glance Monthly Calendar. And if you guys love the out of, at a, oh, the good old At A Glance calendars. I got my first At A Glance calendar and I laid out my plans and my schedule. All of 1983 was set, man. And as time went by, yeah, some of you are like, really? That is a long time ago. No, it wasn't. Uh, I was, <laughs> see, I, 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 was, I was enjoying Journey before you were born, so don't even start, okay? But, but then, you know, as, as time went on, I would find other tools that were a little bit better, and, and I would lay out my plans and my schedule into more and more detailed systems, and I would do that because here's the deal. I wanted to make sure that my schedule was taking me toward where I wanted to go in life. I got that concept really early on, and, and uh, I wanted it to take me where I wanted to go, both short-term and long-term. And, and I'm sure you guys do the same thing. That is a form of intention. That's the way I run my life. 
Uh, you should run your, if you're a business owner, you should run your business that way. You should run your family that way. You know, as, as, as the pastor of this church, I get to make, make some rules, you know? <laughs> so at the offices, we have this thing, we call it staff day. And that's a day of real intense focus. We start at 8 a.m. and we nail stuff all day long together as a team. It's a highly organized day once a week. And, and, and it, it's just like, don't you guys be scheduling any other appointments on that day because you tell people you can't meet. Like right now, I've got this guy from England and he keeps emailing me, I just need to meet with you. You are the one I need to meet. No, that's not an English accent. I can't think of a good English accent. I can't do it right now, but uh, I would do an English accent if I could. I was almost a little bit Jamaican, and so I just didn't quite work. But, but, but the, the, uh, the, the English guy just keeps emailing me, I need to meet with you on Tuesday. And I was like, that just won't work for me. Uh, that's my staff day. Well, cancel some of those meetings. I have the plan for you that's going to help your whole life. And like, that's nice and everything, but it's not going to happen. Am I being mean to him? No because it would be cruel to the rest of the team and the whole ministry. It'd be, it would be offensive to you if I canceled that and put off all the stuff that needs to be done in the ministry because somebody thinks they need my time. Think about it. Like we as a staff, we, we also do planning. We get together once, once a year, and we actually, several months back, we do it usually in August, where we plan out all the stuff for the next year. We get a good, we look about the vision for the year. Where are we going? How do we get there? And, and then we also pull, up, pull ourselves away for about five other times during the year where we do some of our seasonal planning and upcoming stuff. And why do we do this? It's not so that we can cram more stuff into the calendar. Actually, it's not that at all. We do it to prevent train wrecks. So there won't be problems down the road that we didn't see. We make sure that we're following the vision that we have written out, that we're staying on track and we're going where we said we want to go. Uh, we, we do it so we share goals and we get accountability on the goals. How are you doing on your goals? Oh, I don't know. Well, let's talk about it. We screen out goals that are not going to take us to the destination we're expecting to go to as a church. We, we actually remove stuff from the calendar. That's the fun part is we remove stuff from no matter how painful it is because is that going to get us where we want to go? No. Why is it there? Let's take it out. And that's important. And we gotta do those things in our lives. But in our own personal lives, how do you make all this happen? Because we live in a busy world. I'm telling you, you guys, we, we, we live in the big city, right here in downtown. This is, this is busy, crazy, crazy busy. The culture is busy. Um, how do you stay on task with wise intention when everything and everyone around you is tugging at you to go in a different direction? thing is, we all know how that feels. Uh, and there's also much more to accomplish than you'll ever be able to accomplish in a given day or week or month or even a lifetime. It can't be done. For example, I mean, God wired us to be people who, who should serve. Not, not to be served, but to serve. God created us to make a contribution. And so, so, Therefore, we have this tension of the busy world and then the way we're actually wired. That's, why, that's one of the biggest reasons why we're stressed out. And how do you do this? How do you have time to serve? How can you make a contribution when you're pulled in a million different dire directions with your time and with your finances? And this is the kind of stuff that we're just gonna deal with. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just gonna like drop kick it and deal with it today. All right, Matthew 28, 19. Let's take a look at this. Uh, this, is a, this is a single verse, one of my favorite verses in the Bible that's taken out of a speech of Jesus' final, um, his final words to his followers before he left the earth. Take a look at it. It's called the Great Commission. Say the Great Commission. 
All right, that's what it's known as, the Great Commission. All right, so Jesus says this. He says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, I love this, but you look at this, and this is, what, this is a Great Commission for every one of us, but you might look at this and say, wait, 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 I can't. Well, because you're looking at it saying, I have to go and make disciples of all nations. How in the world can I do that? That's gonna, like, that's gonna cost a lot of money and put a lot on my passport. How can I make it all the way around the world? Well, we all do this together. You get it? It's not like you, everybody has to go and do all these different things. You know, that's kind of weird. The airline industry would love it. But, but, you, but that's not the goal here. The goal here is this is a group assignment. This is a group commandment. And we're not too busy to do this. See, because the Great Commission is for you today, right here in 2019 in downtown Fort Worth. And Jesus had great intention in sharing this with his followers and with you as well. Really what the Great Commission literally means is that you are on a co-mission with Jesus. What are you on the co-mission with Jesus to do? To make more disciples of Jesus. That's it. That's it. And so this is primarily, this co-mission with Jesus, making disciples, this is where our contribution, this is where our serving begins to, put, begins to take effect. Now, for example, you guys got some of these invitation cards today. I've been in other services. Now look, I mean, I, my stack is getting big in my pocket. I'm kind of excited about this. But you've just been given these, these invitation cards. It's as simple as literally taking the invitation card and giving it to somebody. That's an easy, easy start right there. Just invite people to church because we're all wired by God to serve and make a contribution. But at the same time, we're wired different uh, because all the, here, man, there's all these different personalities and talents and skills and giftings. And so, so what, what we do is that's why I talk about this all the time. It's important to know yourself to know how you're gifted. So the question is then how are you gifted and then discover that and find a way to use your gift now. Uh, like at our church, we, we, make it, we make it as easy as possible. Now, there are a lot of things you can be involved in and do to serve, but, but it's easy. It's like, can you smile? Can you smile? You guys just look at me and smile, smile. Okay, see, look, you can smile. Okay, I want you to say, hey, hey. Okay, good. You guys all are gifted to be greeters. You know, this is that easy. It is that easy because you guys look great. Um, There's so many ways in different places to be able to serve, uh, but God has gifted you so You've got to do this. Use wise intention to use that gift and somehow be a part of the big picture of disciples being made. You are on a co-mission with God. Live with generosity. Generosity is not going to happen on its own. You've got to, <laughs> you've got to have some intention and you've got to begin doing, and you've got to begin thinking about it, and, but then you've got to get to a point where you're going to stop thinking about it and start doing what you're thinking about with generosity. You know, we live in a culture that's all about three things, fast, fun, and easy. You know that. But fast, fun, and easy is a huge detriment to wise intention because, it, because what happens is we end up not acting on things. We don't make commitments to things because it's not fast, it's not fun and it's not easy and you might be asking yourself why is my life so haphazard why is everything a mess well bottom line is because you're not committing to anything you keep looking for fast fun and easy and commitment is not necessarily fast fun and easy it isn't 
You won't commit to serving. You won't commit to giving and generosity. You won't commit to your job. You won't commit to that ministry. You won't commit to your family. You won't commit to the person that you're supposed to marry. It's like, oh, should I marry her? Oh, come on. You already have seven kids together and you've been living together for 20 years. Don't say, should I marry that person? You should have been married to that person 22 years ago. So stop the nonsense and get married. Did I just say that? Okay, good. I don't know if anyone in the church has seven kids has been living together for 22 years, but just in case, all right? The thing is, you wonder why you have nothing to show and you're not flourishing. It's because you keep uprooting yourself. Wise intention puts down roots. You need to stop hopping from experience to experience, cause to cause, fad to fad, because you're wearing yourself out. You can't have any intention in your life because, well, it's just not fun, fast, and easy. And guys, there is no legacy in fun, fast, and easy. I like fun, fast, and easy, but it's not going to get me anywhere. See, Psalm 92 addresses this. I love this. Look at this. It said, planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of God, and they will still bear fruit in their old age, and they will stay fresh and green. I like that. Okay, but see, all those good things come out of that one word. You guys all passed English, didn't you? Yes, I know you did. So look up there. That first word is planted. Everything in there is contingent upon being planted in the house of the Lord. That means you have roots. All right? That's why I think we should all be planted in church, be a city life partner, be planted in ministry, and watch what will begin to happen in your life. There's story after story after story of how that's impacted and changed lives here. Why? It's because planted people flourish. And I challenge you to stop being haphazard in your life. Plant yourself and grow some roots. And then, then what begins to happen is you start blooming where you're planted. You might say, but I don't necessarily like where I'm planted. How does anyone 100% love everything about all their surroundings and everything? It doesn't exist. It's not. It doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. So just get some roots down and start blooming where you're planted. You want a legacy? You've got to put down some roots. That's called wise intention. You need to have wise in, uh, intention in all areas of your life, and that does include priorities. Uh, you need to plan your calendar. You need to plan how much you spend. That's why it's priorities. I mean, my priorities, they are found in my calendar. If you hack into my calendar, you are going to find my priorities. Um, if you hack into my bank accounts, you, if you've got a bunch of hackers in here, that's kind of scary. But, but, uh, but if you get into my, you look at, look at how, how my money is spent, then you're going to see my priorities. See, for me, that's why I tithe on a weekly basis recurring. It's just, it's, I'm going to automate what's important to me. That's also why my calendar is full. Can we talk about calendars for just a minute? A full calendar does not mean you're too busy. Come on, blow that myth out of the water right now. It doesn't mean you're too busy. It does, for me, because my calendar is full, it means I have planned for what is most important in my life. Yes, I'm going to plan my meetings, and I'm going to put my meetings, and I'm going to put my appointments on my calendar, absolutely. But there is so much more that I choose to put in there. I put a date night on my calendar. You do? You actually schedule a date with your wife? Yeah, because I, I pastor a church and I know a billion things can come up. I'm going to do that. And your life is probably just as busy as mine. Plan it. I put exercise time on my calendar. I do. I mean, I, I put it on there, so I go to the gym. I mean, this week, I, it was on there. It was on the calendar, so I drove to the gym, and I sat there in the parking lot for 15 minutes and drove home. But at least I drove to the gym. You know, it doesn't always work. It's not foolproof, but it does work. I, I build margin into my calendar. 
Why? Here it is. Because these things that I'm telling you about, these things that are on my calendar, they will cause me to live my legacy today instead of being driven by everybody else's expectations around me. But then when things do come up, I still have margin for that. So as a result, I have enough time to get sleep at night. I have time for my family. I have time to exercise and to study and to eat right. I have time to pray. I have time to volunteer. I have time to go to church. Yeah, I even put church on my calendar, and you should too. I... I'm not afraid of a full calendar. If there's a calendar's too full, you just shift some things, move some things around, and take some stuff out that's not priority. Actually, a full calendar is liberating. It's not busy. Now, some of you guys say, will come to me and say, Pastor Tim, I know you're busy. And if you've done that to me, you know I'm going to stop you real quick. Because I'm, I'm going to say, no, I'm not busy. Because really, I'm not. I just schedule tight. I just schedule tight to make sure that my priorities are being managed. And it is liberating and it frees me up to fulfill my obligations to plan my future, to rest and to refresh and to go deeper in God and to be the person my wife needs, to be the person my family needs, to be the person this church needs. See, when demands are pressing on me that are outside the boundaries that I've chosen to establish, and you need to establish your boundaries as well, I've learned these simple words. I've just, very, very simple words. That doesn't work for me. I tell people that all the time. That doesn't work for me. Write those words down. Those are some of the, that's the best thing. If you get anything out of this message today, you tell people that doesn't work for me. That's not even mean. They're like, oh, okay. That doesn't work for me. Well, then what does work for me? No, that doesn't work for me either. You see, I want you to be a person of wise intention, and I want you to always be able to do that. Even as we're designing this new foyer and changing this building up, we're going to do so with wise intention. Wise intention? It means you have less time for worrying. Wise intention means that you're going to have less time to mindlessly play on your phone. Wise intention means you're going to have less time to escape your realities through addictions. Wise intention means you're gonna have less time to blow your money on things that you shouldn't be blowing it on. And you're gonna find yourself then having more time for the things that matter, for your destiny, for your legacy, more time for real rest, more time for focused work. You know, one week from tonight, uh, we're gonna be holding City Life Night right here. Why do we do that? In fact, we even ask this team that all the time when we plan it, why are we doing this? It is to create space for your breakthrough. That's what it's all about. It's on my calendar next Monday, next, next uh, Sunday evening, and it should be on yours as well, because I don't want a stale, dry, lame, parched church. I don't want that. I'm not into that. My 86-year-old dad, my father, called me on Thursday. He called me Thursday evening, and uh, he told me about something he had experienced, and it was really upbeat when he called me, and I could hear it in his voice. My dad, he's a, he's a man of faith. He, uh, he's been a minister for 53 years. He loves the Lord. My dad is a man of wise intention. And, and I'm very, very blessed to have a dad like this. I know, actually, the truth is most people haven't. And I'm just blessed that I, that I was, and I'm grateful. But he kept me in church. He made me get a job. And he taught me more about the Lord than any other person because I could see it in him. And my dad was very, very flawed. But I tell you what, he taught me a lot. 
Dad's not pastoring anymore, uh, but his heart for ministry continues. He loves God. He loves the church. About four years ago, Dad's legs became weak and wobbly. And uh, Dad, you know, Dad's a big, strong guy. He's bigger than me, taller than me. He's always been big and strong. But Dad had to start carrying um, a cane, a, a walking stick with him. See, because Dad loves to walk. He loves to get out. He loves to be outdoors. He loves to do stuff all the time. But he he's doesn't want his legs to fall out from under him and cause him to actually fall. So he carries this walking stick with him all the time. And in fact, one of the things he's done is he's asked me to pray that pray that God will heal me, you know. And his intention keeps driving him to pray for himself. And I think you should pray for yourself. You should. But he doesn't just pray for himself. He prays for his city. He prays for the churches and not just the one he attends. It's the heart of a city pastor. See, Dad lives in this mid-sized West Texas city of Odessa. You ever driven west? You've driven through Odessa. And uh, it's that oil town that's out there in the middle of the West Texas desert. And I'm telling you, it's dry and dusty there, and it stinks. Yeah, I, I live there. I, for, you know, I lived there for a while, and, and I graduated from high school there, Permian High School, Mojo, go Mojo. Yeah, we would win state every year, 20 years in a row. Yeah, football, just, just think about it. Friday Night Lights, that was my school. Thank you very much. Uh, but Dad's been telling me that most of the churches out there are kind of like reflecting the desert terrain right now. He said there, the churches are dry and parched and thirsty. So dad's been praying for these churches. Dad's actually been, he said, dad told me, he says, I've been praying, God, is it even possible for there to be a change, a refreshing, just a saturation of your presence? I said, well, dad, what are they like? He said, dad, dad said, well, just in general, he says, the churches are mostly sloppy, they're these cluttered places. They don't have any intention. And, and pastor kind of gets up ill-prepared and yells at people and sends them all home. And he says, nobody seems to care. Uh, the worship is dry and stale. The presence of God is distant. People are like angry and gossiping all the time. But he said the biggest thing, the worst thing, because no, no atmosphere is perfect, but Dad says the worst thing is people don't even give their lives to Jesus because I haven't seen a person come to Jesus in years at church. And uh, he says, it's also been years since I've ever heard a, a great testimony of God intervening in a person's life or healing them or, or a miracle being worked. I goes, it's just like, it's what's here? There's nothing. So he said, I've been asking God this question. God, what can be done? What will you do, God? What will you do? What can be done? So last week he said he was sleeping and dad had a dream. And I believe, like he also believes, that the dream was from God. My dad has had dreams like that. I've had a few, but my dad's, I've had maybe three <laughs> that I know of in my lifetime that I really felt were from God. But my dad's had several. And He said in this dream he was standing out in the middle of the West Texas desert. And he was alone, and as usual, it was just hot and dry. And as he was standing there, he said, a man came walking up from behind him, stood right next to him, and handed him a shovel. The man said, looked at him in the eye and said, dig. And the man turned around, walked off, and Dad said he took the shovel, and like, what is this? And started to turn around and look for the guy, and he was gone. And 
Like, well, the guy said dig. You got nothing better to do. I'm going to dig. And he starts like, but it's so hot. My legs, they just, I can't, I don't have the strength for this, but I'm going to dig. So he, he said he started digging. He started digging this hole, and he said it was about 18 inches diameter, and just dug it deep. He said it, he just dug the hole really, really deep, and, and he was just amazed at how much he was able to dig up. If you've ever dug with a shovel in West Texas, you would know that's almost impossible. Well, he got exhausted from working so hard and decided to take a break. Went and got a drink of water, and then he came back to the hole. But when he got back to the hole, everything had changed. That, that hole was now six foot in diameter. But the hole was also filled to the very top with fresh, clear, crystal clear water. Again, if you know West Texas, that's not possible. Oil? Yeah. <laughs> water? No. His efforts initiated a miracle in his dream. Wow. He woke up and he felt God saying to him immediately, this is what I want to do in churches and this is what I want to do in your life. He was just overcome. He said, I just felt overcome with God's presence right there in the room. And he said, your mom was still asleep. It's about 3 a.m. and didn't want to wake her up. So I just got up and decided to get up and go into the living room, just maybe read the Bible for a few minutes. So he said, I got up and got to my feet and stood up. And all of a sudden, he said, my legs were strong like I haven't felt them in years. He said, just strange. He started to reach over to get his walking stick. But he says, I don't need that. And dad said he walked into the living room without that cane. I'm telling you, that's a big deal. Dad said he got into the living room and he just, he said he just started like doing leg exercises and then dad said he started like jumping and then he was, dad said he was running. I, I, I like, that's hilarious. Just think. Then dad said he was dancing. Now, if you know my dad, dad doesn't dance. Dad used to teach that dancing was of the devil. Okay, so I'm just want to tell you that, all right? I love my dad, but he, I think he's a little messed up on that one. But, but he said he was dancing. Now that I want to see. And he was telling me on the phone, he said, son, my legs are healed. I have strengthened them like I've not felt for years, and it came to me right after that dream. And he said, I felt like I was supposed to call you and tell you this because you would understand what this means for you. Because what it spoke to me was this. And it directly parallels with this message today. Get yourself up. Quit thinking about it. And keep doing. Keep digging. Keep sweating. Keep making space for God in your life and in this church. Don't complain about how hard things are. Just do it. Because you're actually making space for the miracle. You see... What I felt God was telling me through this and what telling my dad also is that things, God, God was speaking this to my dad, things aren't going to change unless you start doing something with some wise intention. And here's the deal. God has already given you the tools. Here's a shovel. He's already given you the tools. All you have to do is be intentional and quit thinking about it and start taking action regardless of how you feel because emotions lie to you. 
And I'm telling you guys, it probably won't be fun, fast, and easy because I took those three words and I tried to apply it to what dad was describing in his dream. Was anything fun, fast, and easy about what he was doing? No, because I could picture it all in my mind because I'd live there. <laughs> nah. But if you want God's results in your life and in your family and in your business, you need to put forth some effort. And the little that you accomplish will be made huge for God. God I, think, I think God's just looking for some men and women to dig. And then he wants to work the miracle with what you're doing with wise intention. My challenge for you today is to not think about this message, but to take action on it. Act on what you hear. The biggest deception is to take this and say, that was so inspirational. Ah, now I move on but to do something about it today now. I want to pray for you. Come on, receive this prayer. God, I just pray for every person in this room. I pray that wise intention will take over our lives, that we will act, think, and behave different with intention. We'll escape the fantasy, the, the phoniness of fun, fast, and easy. We'll be able to break these habits and these, and these things that slow us down in our lives, the things that make us too busy. God, we want to do what we need to do, and we know, God, then you'll come about right behind us, and you'll work a miracle. And we pray for that. I pray for that for families, for homes, for individuals. In Jesus' name, I pray. In Jesus' name. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I don't want any movement here in the room for just a moment. I want you to focus internally, because you might be here today, and you've not really surrendered your life to Jesus you might be drifting from your relationship with God. And if you want to know the Jesus that we talk about here at City Life, if you want a new beginning, I'm just going to give you an opportunity to respond by very simply lifting your hand, knowing this is that Jesus loves you more than you can imagine. And he died for you so that you can live and live life to the full. Today is your time to live. If you'd like to be included in my closing prayer and surrender your life to Jesus, I'm just going to ask that you do this. When I count to three, please lift your hand. And the reason for that is so that I can connect my faith with yours so when we pray together, I know who I'm praying with, all right? That's, that's what I simply need, to know who I'm praying with. If that's you this morning saying, that's me, Pastor. Today's the day. I'm, I want my life to sin. I want the sin to be erased out of my life. I want... I'm ready, I'm ready to make this change. Lift your hand for me. One, two, three. Lift it. Thank you. 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 So many hands. Thank you. You can put your hands down. Seven or eight of you guys lifted your hands. Here's what I'm going to ask us to do. I'm going to ask us to just uh, all stand together because we're going to pray now. Will everybody please stand? Hey, listen to me. If you lifted your hand... I want you, along with this entire congregation of believers, to pray these, these words. If you're a believer, I want you to pray this as well as encouragement to those that are around you who are making the choice to move forward in their lives. Will you please pray? Come on, guys, pray. Pray. Pray these words. Mean it from the bottom of your heart. Dear Jesus, thank you for dying for my sin. I believe you're the Son of God. Please forgive all my sins. It's time for me to live. So I give up my past. And I embrace the future that you have for me. Thank you, Jesus, for the legacy I can create. 
by following your ways with wise intention. In Jesus' name, amen. Have you discovered your street of influence? Whether it be family, government, business, arts and entertainment, faith, health and vitality, or education, head over to culturalstreets.com and discover your street today.